1: lived for me will be a changed life he wants you to start living according to his will he said words cannot save you mouthing the right phrases cannot save you mouthing the apostles creed won't save you mouthing the 23rd psalm will not save you these are good things but they will not save you salvation is so much more than a creed that's just recited it's so much more it's a commitment it's a commitment from my heart to Jesus and his heart to me
0: Pastor Dave will teach that rituals and the church itself don't save anyone. Salvation is only through faith in Jesus, a faith that transforms lives. It's easy for you to deceive yourself with the appearance of Christianity when you know the right things to say and do. However, God is not interested in a religious lifestyle, but in a real relationship with Him. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 7 as he continues his message, The Temple Made With Hands. You are
1: assured. Solomon spared no money making it happen. He got the finest cedar from Lebanon. He got this. He got the choicest stones. He did everything. You can read all about that in 1 Kings, how he got all this stuff together. In fact, it went over budget. And Solomon had to sell some of the towns of Galilee to pay for his temple that he was building. But when the temple's completed, when the temple happens, Solomon goes in there, and they make this sacrifice, and he invites everyone into the temple, and he prays for them. And I find it really interesting in 1 Kings 8, verses 41 through 43, Solomon's prayer here. Because what I see here, Solomon has a picture into the future. Solomon's looking into ahead, Because listen to his prayer and see if you don't get the same thing I get. Solomon says, he urges God to pay particular heed to their prayer. He says this, Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people but has come from a far country for your namesake, For they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays towards this temple, hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple, which I have built, is called by your name. A beautiful prayer. Solomon's saying, Jews and Gentiles alike, pray for them. God, hear their prayers. Solomon has great foresight of what's going to happen in the future. Solomon knows that one is coming who rule and reign and sit on David's throne forever. Solomon is declaring this. Pray for these people. Pray for Jews and Gentiles alike. You know what happened? When the temple was finished, God came and dwelt in the temple. God came back and dwelt in the temple. But something happened like that over the years. The worship at the temple degenerated into mere religious formality. And eventually, they even took and placed idols in the temple, idols that they worship beside the living God. You can find that out in 2 Kings twenty-one, not one to nine, and Ezekiel eight, seven to twelve. Folks, this scares me. Has this happened to our churches today? You see these beautiful buildings with all this stained glass and all these statues around it, and all the religious formalities and the traditions of man, and all the rules and the regulations that have come in and superseded the Word of God. Is this what's happening? It's scary. They take the Spirit of God and they go, get in this box, Spirit of God. And they put them over here. And all they do is rote prayer. You know what rote prayer is? Saying prayer over and over and over and over and over again. There's no room for the Spirit. They pray the same way every single time. They do the same thing every single time. Where's the Spirit in that? They're blocking out the Spirit of God. They're taking the God of the universe and cramming them into a box. They say, sit there. When I want you to act, you'll act this way. What's happened? This is scary. They said that in order to get to heaven, you have to abide by these regulations. You have to abide by these traditions. You have to abide by these rites, this religious stuff. There's no way you're going to get to heaven without this stuff. Only by obeying our commands and our ideology can you be saved or can you assure a place in heaven, and we're not even so sure you can get there then. What's happening? This is a frightening place. This is scary. I'm scared. I'm, I'm in tears. What's going on here? You see this everywhere we go. These magnificent, opulent buildings that are empty and dead. And they think that just because they go there, God's there. But they left God out. They've left God out. They're obeying their traditions. They're obeying their own regulations and rules that are man-made. God's not in that. The prophet Jeremiah knew all this. The prophet Jeremiah really understood this. Listen to what he writes. Now, this is, this is some few verses here, but I really feel like the Lord is leading me to read these verses, so I have to, have to go along with what he wants to do. In Jeremiah 7, verses 1 through 16, listen to what the Lord says about this superstitious faith that they have in this temple. Listen to what the Lord says to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who enter in these gates and worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I've given to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trusted lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name? And sat, we are delivered to all these abominations. Has this house which is called by my name become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. But go to my place, which is in Shiloh, where I set my name at first and see what I do to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because of all these things, all these works, says the Lord, I spoke to you, rising up early, speaking, but you did not hear. I called, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place which I gave to you, and your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out the brethren, the whole posterity of Ephraim. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear them. I shudder. I shudder. God is interested in a relationship that changes your lives. God is interested so much in you that he wants a relationship that's going to affect, change your life and people. Church isn't where it is unless your heart and your life is dedicated to God. There are a lot of people trying to appease their conscience by coming and saying, I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to church on Sunday. Therefore, I can do whatever I want the rest of the week. As long as I get to church on Sunday, I'll be okay. Resting in church membership, resting in past spiritual experiences or past rituals, God declares, these are lying words. These are lying words. Will you listen to the declaration that the Lord is making here against this? There's no salvation in these things. These things don't bring salvation. A church cannot save you. A ritual cannot save you. You can say all the prayers you want and pray, but they will not save you. The only life-saving faith is in Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that can save you. And if the faith in Christ has not altered you, let me say this again. If faith in Jesus Christ has not altered your life, then I have to challenge you and question what you believe in. Because that's what faith in Jesus Christ does. It changes your life. It would be wrong and inconsistent for me to sit here and talk about how I believe in God and how I believe in a Spirit and to be lived, totally living to the flesh. It doesn't match. But that's exactly what Israel was doing. Their words, he says, you're deceiving yourself with your words because they, they mouth the right phrases. Oh, you know, come on. We all know Christianese. Praise the Lord, brother. We all know what to say. We all know the things to say to make people think that we're Christian, to make think, people think that we might be spiritual. We know those things to say. We've all been around it long enough. He says, you're deceiving yourselves because you're trusting in lying words rather than trusting in a living relationship with God. What would you rather trust in? Would you rather trust in a rote prayer that goes nowhere, that hits the wall and falls flat? Or would you rather trust in a God of mercy, a God who is living, a God who can hear and who can see your affliction, a God that you can talk to? Which would you rather trust in? You decide. They deceive themselves. So Jeremiah is warning them not to trust in these lying words. You know, they were awed by the fact, oh, the temple of Jehovah, beautiful, gorgeous, wow, isn't it so beautiful? Don't you just feel good about this? (laughs) Jeremiah said, I don't care how you feel. It's what you're doing that God wants to be interested in. It's the way you're living your life that God wants to know. And then what he says, amend your ways. Amend your doings. And if you do that, I'll dwell in this place. If you amend your ways, I'll dwell here. I'll protect you. I'll be with you. I'll be your defense. But the temple is not going to save you, folks. It's a building. It cannot save you. If you want me to work on your behalf, change your ways. God says, you know what? You live right and walk right, you can live forever. I'm going to be your defense. I'll watch over you. I'll keep you. Not just because you have a temple. Not just because you have a religious observance. Let me see it proved in your life. Let me see the change in your life. Amend your ways. Start living right, God says. You know, God wants us to be honest. I mean, we need to be honest with God. It's hard for us to be honest with each other sometimes, but, you know, why can't we be honest with God? He knows everything anyhow. He knows everything about your heart. God wants us to be fair. God wants us not to oppress the poor. He doesn't want us to take advantage of each other in various situations. God wants us to love each other as we love ourselves. Can you imagine that? Loving someone the way you love yourself? There's no evil in that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the whole world would act that way, where we would love each other, where I thought your interests were more important than mine? where I put you and esteemed you higher than I esteemed myself, where I loved you with an everlasting love like God, an unconditional love, how glorious would the world be? If we are genuinely loving each other and caring for each other, if I was interested in you and when I spoke to you, you said, he's interested in me, if I helped the person who was weak or if I was concerned about that, it would be wonderful But people are doing their own thing. This is what he's saying to the nation Israel. They're living after their own selfish motivations. They're covetous. I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this. And guess what? I want it now. They're living after the wrong things. They're trying to gain for themselves. They don't care who they hurt or who they destroy. It's the greed to overcome. Wait a minute. That's the nation Israel? Oh. Sounds too familiar to me. Sounds way too familiar to me of what's going on. God says, so just having the temple and coming to temple and going to temple, that's not going to get it. Going to church, coming to church, that's just not going to get it. A life lived for me will be a changed life. He wants you to start living according to his will. He said, words cannot save you. Mouthing the right phrases cannot save you. Mouthing the Apostles' Creed won't save you. Mouthing the 23rd Psalm will not save you. These are good things, but they will not save you. Salvation is so much more than a creed that's just recited. It's so much more. It's a commitment. It's a commitment from my heart to Jesus' and his heart to me. And it's his heart to me that's even more important than mine to him. The Lord shows us that we have an inconsistent heart. And it's interesting, when you reread this Jeremiah verses, did anyone hear anything familiar? I did. When Jesus went to the temple, remember what he found them doing? He got mad because they were changing money and they were selling doves they were selling things unholy he made a whip and he started to smash the tables and overturn them and what did he say he calls the temple the same thing that jeremiah called them in matthew twenty-one thirteen. jesus says my father's house was to be called a house of prayer but you've made it a den of thieves the lord said it's my house and it's called by my name They were saying, oh, temple of Jerusalem, temple of Jehovah, oh, wonderful, wonderful. But guess what? It's my house, God's saying. You've called it a den of thieves. That's what you've made it. These are harshest words. But God doesn't stop there. He gets really harsh, ladies and gentlemen. He gets really, really harsh. He tells Jeremiah, that's it. I've had it. Don't cry anymore to me for them. Don't pray to me for them. Don't lift up your voice anymore to me because guess what? I won't you Remember back in the book of Exodus, when we were studying the book of Exodus, the Lord looked throughout the nation and he saw that there was only one man who was righteous in all the earth, and it was Noah. And he says back in Genesis 6 verse three, "My spirit will not always strive with man." What does this mean? Why do you look at this? This can be a blessing, and it can also be a curse. The blessing is that God would strive with us at all. The blessing is that God would even think of us that he would strive with us. That's the blessing, that our God would even think that he would come and strive with me? Who am I to God that he would think of me? Who is man that you're mindful of him? God strives with me? Wow. But he's interested in us, and he sends his Holy Spirit. He says, listen, I'm going to make it so easy that even you can't forget it. I'm going to place my spirit right here inside you. You won't be able to place him. He'll be there forever. I can receive these blessings by the Holy Spirit. I can receive the glory of being a child of God, and he strives with me for something that is good. What are we clamoring about? What's the curse? God won't always strive with man. God won't always strive with man. I struggled with this. I struggled with this. We live in the age of grace, and I believe that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's scriptural. But is there a time in someone's life, is there a line in the sand that you can cross over and never get back? I don't know. Scripture teaches both ways. When I'm looking at this, I'm like, have they gone too far? He's telling Israel, they've gone too far. Don't even pray for them anymore because I'm not going to hear them. I realize this is Old Testament. We live in the age of grace, and I believe that if you cry out to the Lord, he will save you. He will bring you back in his own. But how hard will your heart get? How hard can your heart get? I don't know. How hard can we let our heart get? I don't know. I know that if I abide in Christ, I'm not going to take a chance of ever letting my heart get that hard, or I'll be that far away from God, or He might say, I'm done with you. Oh, oh, this is like Jesus saying, you know, I cast out demons in your name. I did this in your name. I did this. And Jesus saying, depart from me. I never knew you. Those words send shudders up and down my spine. They make me grieve for the person that that happens to. Is there a line in the sand? I don't know. Is there something that we can push ourselves so far that we can't get back? I would hope not in this age of grace that whenever we turn back, we would be welcomed by God. But i got to read what Scripture says. i got to look at it for what it is. God gave them up. Remember last week we talked about God giving them over to their retrobate minds, giving them over to the lust of their hearts? We talked about that. We talked about that Romans uh, 1, 24 verse. God gives them up there. See, God isn't under any obligation at all to strive with us. The fact that he strives with us all is a miracle. It's a marvel that God would even think of us, as I said. But because he loves with us, he strives with us. Is there going to come a time when there'll be sorrow and despair because God will not strive? Is there a line that we don't know? And once you've crossed it, God himself will not be there. I don't know. Interesting verse in John. In John 12, 39, Jesus says, Therefore they could not believe. Listen to that verse. He didn't say they would not believe. He said they could not believe. They could not believe. Do you get to a point in your life where you just can't believe? Have you hardened your heart so much to the gospel message that there comes a point in your time when you won't pierce it? When your heart won't be pricked by the Holy Spirit and you can't receive? It says they could not believe. It didn't say they didn't want to believe. It said they could not believe. Pray. Don't pray for these people. Don't lift them up in prayer. Don't don't make intercession for me. They've gone too far. Woe. Woe to us if we go, oh, woe. My heart is grieved. My heart is grieved when I read these passages. My heart is grieved. There are people in my life. There are people in my family. Have they gone too far? I, I pray not. I pray not. And I have to cling to what I know, that our God is a God of love. And our God still is exhibiting grace and mercy in this age of grace. And grace is still available to those that would call upon the name of the Lord. I've got to believe in that. And i got to believe in the Scripture that says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. i got to believe in that. Stephen concludes his defense. Stephen's at a point now, and he concludes his defense in 48 and 50. He says, however, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? See, Solomon recognized the truth that God did not live in buildings. This is a great building, but guess what? God doesn't live here. He's here because we're here. Wherever three or more, are ga- two or more are gathered, he appears in our midst. We carry him in our lives. This is a beautiful building. I love this building. But don't come because you think he's here. He's everywhere. He's permeating us. He's in us with the Holy Spirit. He shows up because of the love he has for us. The prophet Isaiah made it quite clear in Stephen quotes from the prophet Isaiah 66 verses 1 and 2. We can't make anything for God because everything comes from him. He's the creator of the universe. How do you make something for the creator of the universe? See, Stephen is saying, Israel, you have two problems with your accusations. You have two problems with your defense of the temple. Number one, it's illogical. And number two, it's not scriptural. He slams them. Slams them hard. He's taking the sacred cows and he's taking them one by one. He's saying, you've got to get rid of these things. You can't rely on these things. You can't trust on these things. It's Jesus Christ that you can trust in. The writer of Hebrews, I'm going to end here. The writer of Hebrews declares in chapter 9 of Hebrews, verse 11. I thought that was interesting, 9-11. It says, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Jesus is our high priest. He ministers in a superior sanctuary. He ministers at the very throne of God in a greater place that no human hand could ever make, no human hand could ever lift up. Christ is our high priest, and he's in heaven today making intercession for you and me. He's there seated at the right hand of God the Father. And we said last week, if you go back to the book of Ephesians and you look at our position in Christ, we're there with him, seated in heavenly places. That's what it says in Scripture. But look at how the author goes on. He goes on and gives this beautiful picture about everything we just talked about. In Hebrews 9, verses 12 through 15. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without spot to God? Cleanse your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. For if this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of our transgressions under the first covenant, and those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Christ, our high priest. Christ, our tabernacle. Christ, the presence of holy God, wants to dwell in you, wants to have a relationship with you. The price has been paid. The price is full, paid in full, complete. Redemption has occurred. Redemption has taken place. You have been reconciled with God the Father through the sole act of Jesus Christ the righteous, by his act and his act alone. Nothing else will reconcile to a holy God. He is our high priest. He is the one who has saved us, and he is the one that we can go to. Lead me to the cross, we sang. Lead me to the cross to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Lead me to the cross that I can bow on my knees, submit, not my will, but your will be done, that I can submit to a holy, righteous God, one who loves me, loves me so much that he would give his only begotten son to die for me. Lead me to that cross. The cross is a symbol. It's a symbol of what he did for us. But he's not on the cross anymore. He's not hanging there as he is in some ritualistic churches. He's not there anymore. You notice? He's not there. Because He walks among us today. He's alive. He's alive and living and wants you to have that same life. Eternal life. An eternal existence with God the Father. Who can refuse? Please don't. Please don't refuse. Because you never know how hard your heart will get. You are sure.
0: Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope, but we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.